Welcome to Screen Cleaning here on BYU Radio, the show that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wessinger. And we are here each and every week to give you the very best in movies, television, sports. Really, if it's anything dealing with entertainment, we want to talk about it. Having said that, we do talk an awful lot about movies. And we're not going to break with tradition today, right, Cole? Movies are our favorite, and movies are what we've been lacking, it seems, in addition to a lot of other things here in 2020. And so we want to talk about the movies that we haven't been getting. Yes, we're going to talk about the Bizarro World uh, movie box office in 2020, right? Right. Because this is kind of a Bizarro World we're living in as it is. But we're going to give you a peek into what 2020 may have looked like had things rolled out the the way that everybody thought they would have. Right. So um, one thing that's interesting, though, Cole, is, I mean, you said it. We don't have a lot of movies to go see right now in the movie theaters. And so movie theaters are trying different things to try to get our hard earned cash and to get people to save movie theaters. So Cinemark's plan as they are slowly starting to roll out, is uh, they're going to give you the option to rent out a movie theater, which is something that we've seen other movie theater chains do, but at a much higher price tag, right? So Cinemark wants to get you to reserve their movie theater for the low, low price of $100. Do Uh I have your attention yet? Nope. Uh Oh, $100, Cole, for, for you and 19 of your friends. So that means 20 of you can rent out the movie theater, be socially distanced, and enjoy the movie together. I mean, that's that's five bucks a movie ticket. That's You're not going to do much better than five bucks a movie when ticket. When you put Cole. it that way. And it's true. That is, I mean, low, low, it sounded a little sarcastic at first, but it is actually lower than we have seen other theaters trying to do the same gimmick where they'll sell out the entire theater because... What this shows is that Cinemark is getting desperate. You know, as prices go down, it means people aren't going and they need some kind of any kind of revenue to come back. And that's what they've resorted to. Are they providing the movie, too? Or do I have to bring in my own Blu-ray copy of whatever it is that we're watching? Is this just a glorified movie night? There are select uh, few classic movies that you can choose from. I mean, as, as recent as... Uh, Black Panther, you know, you can, I'm sure Ghostbusters right. is probably in the mix there somewhere. But when I say classic movies, movies that have generally done pretty well at the box office, right? But here's how you know that they mean business, Cole. Their concessions are discounted, too. Oh, man. They're desperate. That's the real moneymaker right there. Yep, that's that's what it is. And that is a desperate move. Another piece of news we got from theaters just trying to grasp at straws to get whatever they can comes from AMC and Universal coming together. Old foes in this fight for how long a movie is going to be in the theater before it goes to premium video on demand. The new deal that we have here is a shorter, like a two-week debut window where it will only be in theaters. But after that, AMC is actually going to get a little cut of the video on demand sales that Universal movies at least have going forward. Okay, so does that mean, I mean, Universal movies will still be shown in other movie theaters, right? I They just won't so. have that exclusive deal? Yeah, that exclusive and, and the cut of the video-on-demand sales is what AMC wanted to get in on the ground floor of. 
where, yeah, they're going to start putting a premium video on demand anyway. If that's going to cut into our ticket sales, then we want to get some of that back somehow. And so that's what spawned this deal. Interesting. All right. Well, Cole, it seems like you and I have not been going to the movie theaters very much uh, recently, but uh, I know that you've been doing lots of streaming, right? As people do. Yes. Yeah. Well, I still I've yet to check anything out on the Peacock, this quote free streaming service. I mean, there are varying levels of membership, right? There is the free entry level that gets you actually quite a bit of quality content. You do have to take the commercials with it, which I I know is something that Rod Gustafson, our friend here at BYU Broadcasting, is not a fan of. But um, it's interesting. I, I I may start watching some more Peacock because just as uh, your HBO Max subscription has expired, I I am I know that you're going to start moving over to the Peacock. I might too because there's another in entity that's moving from HBO Max to the Peacock, and you can see all eight of them for free, and it's Harry Potter. Yeah, just just as I've made the move as as my HBO Max subscription, I, I let it expire. I paid for a couple months, which is more than I thought I would when I originally got the free trial. Um, I've now moved over to the free version. Harry Potter will as well. And, you know, there's not always commercials. Sometimes uh, this episode of Parks and Rec is brought to you by Capital One credit cards. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Um and you'll We're get not getting paid for that, by the way. <laughs> but but the Peacock is. And so I, I get out of my commercials by just hearing a, a dumb little product placement at the beginning. And then I get to enjoy the show. Commercial free, sort of, sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I don't understand. I I really, I thought that I got it. When, when we started seeing all the streaming companies segregate and go off into their little corners and, you know, grab a hold of their properties and not let go, I thought I was starting to get that, hey, Universal Properties, they're going to belong over with NBC and the Peacock. And Warner Brothers and Turner Properties, they're going to end up over here on HBO. And everyone's going to want to hold on to their own stuff. Disney's doing the same thing along with Fox, one of their subsidiaries, and, and Hulu. And Harry Potter is one of the banner Warner Brother properties in the history of movies when it comes to making box office revenue. And and when you scroll down HBO Max, they had a whole Harry Potter section, like exclusive to HBO Max. But they're not jumping two feet in to this exclusive streaming thing because they're so used to getting some extra money by letting it play on TV and letting different networks, you know, buy the rights for a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever it is. And it's the customers that are going to suffer because they've bought in and we've kind of sold it as that's the home. That's where you get the stuff. But they still hold all of the power to give and take whatever content they want. And I think this sets a dangerous precedent. You know, like we said, Universal, that's where the Peacock is. And anyone that's been to Universal Studios Orlando, Florida, knows that Jurassic Park is their thing. Dinosaurs are huge. And they had the first three Jurassic Park movies exclusive to Peacock for the first week of the Peacock. And now they're already gone and on some other cable channel where you can't get them if you got and bought into the Peacock. 
So it's just something to keep an eye on. And unfortunately for consumers, it's another reason why these big, large media conglomerates are forcing you to pay every single month for every single service because you never know when it's going to jump from one to another. And if you want to turn on the Harry Potter movies on a given day, it's not guaranteed which channel or which streaming service they are going to be on. But as one thing leaves, another thing comes, and HBO Max is debuting a new movie this weekend. Now, you know, like I said, I kind of canceled my subscription, so we don't have a review for you today of Seth Rogen's An American Pickle, which is a live-action movie where Seth Rogen meets Seth Rogen's ancestor, also played by Seth Rogen, and that ancestor is classic fish-out-of-water, you know, gets to run into modern day and laugh at how goofy we are in 2020. It's officially rated PG-13, generally on screen cleaning. We've never talked about Seth Rogen, because I don't know if he's ever, ever... I mean, he's lent his voice to a couple animations, but I don't know if he's ever made a live-action, not-our-potty-mouth kind of humor comedy. There's the... Well, there's the Green Hornet. Don't forget about the Green Hornet. Yeah, who could forget about the Green Hornet, <laughs> I guess. So, yeah, that's that's you one know, new movie. New movies are still coming out just, you know, to streaming and in different ways. Yeah. And one way that we haven't talked about, Cole, is something that Disney's trying out. Now, they spent about $75 million to acquire the the rights to, to air Hamilton on their streaming service, Disney Plus, right? And they kind of reluctantly will push some of their more expensive movies onto Disney Plus. Like when when Onward had the misfortune of coming out right around the time that COVID hit and it was only in the movie theaters for a couple of weeks, they very quickly pivoted and put it on Disney Plus. With Hamilton, they saw lots of people signing up for Disney Plus because, yeah, I think people would rather pay $7 to see Hamilton than maybe $700 to see Hamilton live on Broadway, right? That's so. Um, but since that is not an exclusively Disney entity, they couldn't very well charge more than that, more than the, the cost of, of your streaming admission, so to speak, right? So they're going to try something that uh, I, I'm really curious to see if it'll work. I think it might work. And I in hope fact, it doesn't. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind being on the ground floor of this little experiment. I definitely won't so, be. So instead of just releasing it on the platform and making it available to everybody at the low, low price of their subscription rate of seven dollars a month, they're gonna charge you the premium price, premium in-home cinema price of thirty dollars to watch Mulan on Disney Plus. So even if you own, even if you have membership to Disney Plus, you'll be paying $30 to watch it. So that'll be interesting to see if that's going to pay off because um, I was certainly looking forward to it enough to invite a certain number of my friends over to share the cost and enjoy it in home at that price, especially since I have two little girls who I'm sure are going to want to watch it just as badly. It's sort of a Disney Plus Plus, where you have to have Disney Plus, just the service in general in the first place, and now they're going to try out add-ons to it. Now, for families, which is, you know, what we bill our main audience on this show, 
this might be an amazing deal as opposed to paying, you know, seven bucks even for a kid's ticket or 10 or, you know, whatever it is in, in your area per ticket, you're you're getting a deal. But for just people that want to watch movies, for folks that go to the theater alone or for folks that, you know, want to have the theater experience, this is another nail in the theater coffin that we are slowly moving towards just watching things on our TVs instead of the big movie experience. As a Disney fan, you hope it succeeds. As a movie theater fan, you hope it doesn't, right? Well, and and even as a Disney fan, I don't I'm still not rooting for Mulan to succeed in this way. I, I can't wait to see it. You know, we've been talking about anticipating it. Um but in in this kind of fashion, I'm I'm not rooting for it. I I wasn't rooting for Trolls World Tour. This seems it seems like we're we're crossing the Rubicon in that we're not going to be able to go back to the way theaters were. Even, you know, what, a year, two years from now when there's a vaccine and there's no more COVID in the whole world, it seems like we'll be in a different world anyway. All right. Well, Cole, Mulan, it's interesting because Mulan is probably the first big tentpole, tentpole movie that we will see be released in this format and uh, it's it's a shame because I feel like it would have been one of the top grossing movies of the summer. And so we were thinking, what would the summer of 2020 looked like if none of this COVID business would have happened, right? If we would have been able to see the movies as they were slated on the schedule, would Cole and I have been able to have our annual summer movie box office competition like what we had last year. So we decided let's have a little fun by giving you a, a look at the bizarro world of the 2020 summer box office, which we will do when we return here on Screen Cleaning. In old country, we have say, I'm sure this is aged well. If man does not throw punch, it is because this man secretly had pulled the arm. Do something, Ben! Throw your punch! You know they cured polio, right? A guy named Jonas Salk. Was he Jew? He was this. Aw, Jeff, I missed that song. That is the sound of our summer, and it's our summer box office movie competition that we do every year starting last year and then unfortunately (laughs) not this year. But... We want to step into that alternate reality with you because right around this time, we would have been looking back at the summer that was to see which movies were at the top of the box office. But a lot of other things came in the way this year in 2020, but but we wanted to try it out anyway. Yeah. And last year, Cole, we saw some really big releases with uh, the, quote, live action Lion King from Disney. Ooh. Toy Story 4 from Disney. Uh, John Wick 3 did quite well. The surprise. Aladdin There's always did, one surprise. Aladdin did better than we thought it would, right? Uh, much better than I thought it would. As, as we remember back to 2019, we spent a show where we each picked a top 10 
for the summer in order, and then we saw how it how it turned out. I was a little higher on Fast and the Furious than you or than it ended up being. I was a little lower on Aladdin than you were and that it ended up being. And, and we ended up just so very, very close. It was like one point off the way we scored it. Yeah, I, I never would have predicted that uh, we would have ended up being that close. I ended up losing the wager, and I think I owed you a pizza. Yeah, I mean, just one of those little personal pizzas that you can get with your movie in the theater around here. I love it. Uh, But no wager this year because we have no way of finding out who would have won. But just like last year, we're setting it up where we list our top 10 of just the summer movie season. So no Mulan on this list because it was originally supposed to debut in March. No Marvel's The Eternals because that was going to hit theaters over in November. These aren't our most anticipated of 2020. These aren't the ones we thought were going to be the best. But we're talking the big summer tentpole movies. So we're probably going to be seeing a lot of superhero movies, a lot of reboots and sequels. Again, the same thing that we were lamenting last year, where there wasn't really a lot of originality. Although I'm predicting that there will be at least one movie on this, two movies on this list that will be originals. And I can't wait to talk about them. Let's get but to why the don't list. we start with number 10, Cole? Sounds good. My number 10 pick for the summer of 2020 that never was is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, that's mine too. All right. See, so Jeff and I, look, we disagree (laughs) on a lot of movies. That's the shtick of the show. We say it all the time and it happens all the time. But when it comes to the box office and being just stat nerds and number guys, we are right in lockstep. And we were close last year for a reason because we were both pretty decent at our picks. This year we're starting off similar as well. Ghostbusters, yeah. So why do you think Ghostbusters four or kind of Ghostbusters three or the newest Ghostbuster? Why do you think it'll do well? You know, it's an interesting question because the original Ghostbusters was kind of one of the big summer blockbusters, and it's one of the movies that you can see in the movie theaters all these years later because that's what people associate with big summer blockbusters, right? Um, the franchise has not aged well. The rest of, I should say, the the remaining films in the franchise, I I might even like part two more than part one. There are some things that I really like from that film. Um, this last one with an all female cast left a lot of uh, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But for as I much certainly... bad press as it got, it was still oh, in the top ten of its year in the summer of 2016. Ghostbusters made $126 million. This can't do worse than that. Yeah, although I think people are maybe a little burnt out of Ghostbusters and probably uh, understandably confused about the whole direction that they're taking this franchise. And speaking of Bizarro Worlds, there was also some other Ghostbusters movie that they were reportedly developing with Channing Tatum and Yeah, so who can even keep track of everything? I think it'll make just enough to come in at number 10. And I pretty much agree. All right, number nine. (laughs) Number nine, for my number nine, I put something uh, that stars an action star that has a good track record. He's very likable, and his acting gets better with every film. Although um, it's, it's based on... A Disneyland ride, which is also something that you cannot enjoy at this time. 
If you tried to go to Disneyland, not only would you not uh, be granted admittance, but you would not be able to get on the Jungle Cruise, which I'm I'm making a bold choice saying that it's going to come in at number nine. And that actor in question, by the way, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's starring with Emily Blunt, who also would have had an amazing 2020. But uh, yeah, I think it'll come in at number nine. We we might hear more about Jungle Cruise later on in my list, but my number nine for here is In the Heights, based on the Broadway musical. Um, I always like to throw in one kind of original, one one that might just catch a hold of the cultural zeitgeist in this, and I'm putting my money on In the Heights for this year. It was planned to come out the weekend before we actually got Hamilton on Disney+. And so I think... It's, you know, it it was the first Broadway production that was penned by Lin-Manuel Miranda in The Heights was. And I think that they might have been able to teamwork that together and, you know, let them let them feed off each other. And also, when you look at musicals, if you can get something you can sing along to, people go back and back and back. And even if it doesn't reach a ton of different people, it gets a lot of that repeat audience and it has legs throughout the entire summer. It was planned to come out early enough that I think it would still be making money even at this point in August, and it would squeak it up into about number nine on my list. I really wanted to put In the Heights on my list. I was really energized when I saw the trailer. I was not familiar with the Broadway musical, but I know that Lin-Manuel Miranda is very popular. Hamilton is doing really well on Disney Plus right now. I think it all would have played in its favor. Um But yeah, it just squeaked out of the top 10 for me. And I think people are suckers for big jungle adventure movies starring The Rock that, you know, that that could describe any number of films. So that's why I think it'll be number nine. But uh, what's your number eight, Cole? Number eight. I thought this might have been the direction that you were talking about with a an action star who's funny and his acting gets better with every movie that he's in because I've got Ryan Reynolds's free guy at number eight of the 2020 summer. Interesting, because when I saw that trailer, I thought, first of all, this seems a little adult for a Walt Disney film. Right. And it's not even some offshoot. It is a Walt Disney film. Just because Ryan and Reynolds some... swears a lot over in those Deadpool movies doesn't mean he can't lend his talents. Last year, Pokemon Detective Pikachu with Ryan Reynolds's voice doing a little Deadpool shtick was in the top 10. Well, that was my first thought. My second thought was, uh, so this is just a live action Wreck-It Ralph, Right. It's that same concept where you have these characters that are in a game and they decide, you know what? I'm I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to play my regular role that I've played for the millionth time. So I think that is why I we won't be seeing free guy in the top 10, which is why I did not put it in my top 10. When you said you thought I was going to say something, I thought you were going to say that somebody that, uh, you know, is a, a box office draw and that people like and his movies seem to get better. I thought you were going to talk about a movie that is only going to make money. They're banking purely on nostalgia on a, a movie that came out so long ago. I think number eight, and I'm already starting to kind of regret this choice, will be Top Gun 
Maverick. Mm, yeah, that we're we're not going to hear me talk about it. So feel free to <laughs> defend Top Gun Maverick. I'm not a huge fan of the film Top Gun. In fact, I've only ever seen it one time. I that's, do. That's think stepping into the danger that, zone. Admitting that on live radio. Ooh, Cole. <laughs> I do feel like Tom Cruise is at a point in his career where he doesn't have to revisit these old franchises. I think he can be very selective. So I think if he chose to do Top Gun Maverick, there was a specific reason for it, aside from the fact that he wanted to be the one that was seen behind the fighter pilots, right? And doing all of his own stunts. Because I'm sure that's not something necessarily that he did at the beginning of his career. But uh, I think people are going to have a lot of fun seeing it. But again, if it's going to get any money and crack the number eight spot, it's going to have to rely solely on nostalgia. I think it's going to be difficult to try to rope in a whole new generation of fans for this one. I think the Mission Impossible name is stronger than Tom Cruise's name at this point in his career. Right now, he's just an old guy behind the pilot in the pilot's chair for Top Gun 2. Not sure if it's going to be able to get catch on. And it comes out the same weekend as in The Heights. So it's really tough to have two movies in your top 10 from the same weekend. And the very next weekend is when Free Guy comes out. And along with another movie that I will actually have in my top 10. Okay. That, that we can actually talk about next because it's my number seven. It's Minions, The Rise of Gru. Ooh. Now, how come you only put it at number seven, Cole? Because that may be coming up later on my list. I've got another movie that, that will appeal to kids, another animated movie coming up next, uh, coming up a little bit later. Minions, I think, is starting to lose some steam. The Minions movie was very high-grossing, and and all the Despicable Me's have done pretty well at the box office, but they keep getting older and older, and now the new generation of kids might only know Minions from just seeing them around. They didn't really grow up with these movies. It's been a little too long since the last one. Adults are very, very sick of them, and I'm not sure it's going to still have the power. It's still going to be an animated movie in the top ten because those get there and kids go to the movies in the summer, but I'm not too strong on it. Okay. Well, my number seven is one of the many, 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 many superhero movies that will be coming out. This is one that's not a known entity yet. So anytime you are starting off a franchise uh, or doing your number one film and what will ultimately be a trilogy, right, with that, with that particular character, there's always some uncertainty, but people are curious enough to, to go see it just enough to put Morbius at my number seven spot, starring Jared Leto. And uh, yeah, I, I think it'll happen, Cole. That's a lot of confidence for a character that is really not... So I know who Morbius is. Jeff, can you even describe to the people who... If, if, you're, if you think this movie's going to do well, what's the movie even about, Jeff? I challenge uh, you. Morbius is a character from the matrix franchise well who (laughs) i'm just kidding it sounded like morpheus um i've seen the trailer i know he's like a vampire of sorts the living vampire yeah who who did not want to be a vampire that's kind of all i can tell you about the film but he looks very much like a venom you know this reluctant anti-hero 
right? And that makes sense that they're pattering the movie in that direction because Morbius is also in the Spider-Man canon and this will be a Sony and Marvel joint production. Um, But there's going to be a Venom 2 that comes out just after the summer that I think will get that sort of an audience ready. Morbius is going to end up one that those sort of people might skip. Now, I will... would have gone to see Morbius on opening night because it's a Spider-Man thing and it's a vampire and it's weird. But I think it's going to be a little bit too outside your normal superhero canon to be able to cash in at the box office. It's not going to be on my top 10. Well, just as people, just as I'm banking on Top Gun doing well for its nostalgia factor, I'm banking on people seeing it because of the Sony Marvel connection, like you said. See, but and and the thing about Marvel, the MCU has forced us to go see every single episode. Every single movie that they churn out has a box office floor because people have to see how it integrates into every other movie. Spider-Man and Sony have not done that yet. You know, Venom was a big success overseas, and it was a big, goofy Tom Hardy movie where he jumped in a lobster tank and there was Venom. But it had nothing to do with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And without understanding how Morbius is going to fit into this yet, it doesn't have that need, that rabid fan base that will go see it no matter what because they got to know what happens next. Well, Cole, I'm curious to hear if your kid movie is next on the list at number six. What is your number six? Number six, this is this is where I had to make a bold move. I know it's going to be different from your list, and I know that you're going to want to talk about it in detail later, so we can just mention that I think Tenet will be six and then move on to what your six is. Whoa. Wow. Okay, Cole, I think Soul is going to be number six. Probably the other kids' movie, the animated kids' movie that you were talking about coming it, up later on your list. It is. Okay. I think I think Soul is going to be one of those Pixar films that, uh, you know, it'll do admirably and it'll certainly do better than Onward did. But I just don't think it's going to have the pull as other Pixar movies, especially not ones that they can definitely bank on, right? It's an original concept, which is something that I'm a huge fan of. I do like when they take risks. I just don't know if audiences are going to take as big of a risk with soul, which is why I think it's going to be number six, especially since it kind of looks like inside out, which is a movie that has already been released and did pretty well. Um, So I think audiences are already a little uh, confused. So I think it'll do well. I don't think it'll do as well as Minions, which is why I'm putting it at number six. It really is a shame. So I'm going to talk about Soul next because it is actually my number five. So we can tie this together. As fans of movies, we love the originals. We love seeing new things on the film and we love when filmmakers take a risk. But it's this time once a year when we kind of just nerd out about the box office that we realize why there are so many remakes. They just do better empirically when you look at the data when you look at what is going to succeed at the box office remake sequels and reimaginings you know base it on a current property do all that stuff that's how you get butts in seats now once in a blue moon when you have just an amazing movie hit you right and that's that's a tough thing to predict then it will do well 
but the ones that you can actually bank on doing well are the the sequels to what we already had, right? Toy Story 4. Last year, I was able to um, win win the competition because I predicted accurately that Toy Story 4 would be number two. That's very high because it's a sequel and it's it's characters we already know. Whereas this year, the Pixar movie down, we both, you know, five or six because... You know, it it might end up being better than Toy Story 4, but it might not make as much money because people just don't know the character. They don't know the name of the hero, and so they're not going to go see it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. It is a shame because I'm much more of a fan of of something new and fresh and exciting than something that I, I know what I'm walking into, right? Yep. You're not, you're not going to have a Coco or an Up experience walking into you know, Fast and the Furious Part 9, right? Because you weren't expecting it. But I'm expecting Fast and Furious 9 to come in at number five. And here is why. I've only seen one Fast and the Furious movie, and did, it was the very first one it? I saw. Have, have I did. I finished before? the first one. Okay. I did not finish Part 5 That's or right. Fast 5, which you might argue is the best one, right? I, I'd often argue that it is the best one. Okay. I think not only, speaking of burnout, you mentioned burnout earlier with Minions. I think not only are our audiences starting to burn out a little bit, um, there's got to be a car metaphor there, with the Fast <laughs> and Furious franchise, but these are movies that historically have done much better overseas, first of all. So that would lend itself to do well at the international box office. But also, you're not getting the same Fast and Furious for your same ticket price that you used to, right? Because at some point, and I'm sure you could tell me exactly what film this occurred, there became there uh, occurred this division. I think uh, there's probably some onset squabbles. People decided to go their own way. But you don't get all of the same Fast and Furious cast that you might like which is why now you're seeing different franchises. You've got the Hobbs and Shaw franchise, which did not do as well as we thought it might last year. And that's why I don't think it's going to make as much money. The last Fast and the Furious movie I noticed made about $226 million. So according to my calculations, that's why I think it comes in around number five. Well, I've got some logic behind where I place F9. Um, but now's not the time to talk about it because we're not there yet. So those were our five. So that's that's uh, we've covered ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Now we're on to number four. Jeffrey, what's your number four pick? My number four is Minions: The Rise of Gru. I do think audiences are burnt out. Um, however, those movies just find a way. Just like Jeff Goldblum said, <laughs> they find a way to make enough money to justify keep making these movies right so i i did the math minions the first minions made about 336 million domestically the last uh, despicable me movie only made 264 domestically so you can see a decline in the box office numbers there but it is so universally popular and for good reason anyway i mean it the it should be funny I don't think they are funny, but it should be funny because there's really no dialogue from these characters. So you can do all of these sight gags and it can be popular all over the world. I do think it'll do well all over the world. 
And I do think it will be the kids movie of the summer. And that's why I put it at number four. See, last year, Secret Life of Pets 2 burned both of us. We both had it higher than it ended up performing. And so this year, when I was looking at just that that lame kid's property that everyone agrees isn't that good of a movie but ends up making money anyway, I feel like audiences are finally getting a little smarter. They're finally, you know, parents aren't taking their kids blindly to these bad movies. And so I I decided to drop Minions a little lower. That that was my logic there. So, yeah, I already talked about Minions. My actual number four pick is one that you've already talked about. It was Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Jungle Cruise, because if there's anything more reliable than a property, it is a movie star. And Dwayne Johnson, you alluded to the Jumanji franchise, and that one does well for him every time. This is this is a, a perfect hybrid of sort of a Jumanji setting with a Pirates of the Caribbean you know, theme, atmosphere, you know, you're you're taking an old amusement park and you're making a movie around it. You put the rock in the middle, you let him riff off of another, you know, amazing star in Emily Blunt. And I think this will be box office gold in 2020. And I think the story of the 2020 summer box office would have been this race between Dwayne Johnson's new, you know, upstart franchise, Jungle Cruise, and the one he has sort of shied away from and left, Fast and Furious, because my number three is F9. I think I think that the Fast and Furious proper timeline, the one where the numbers count your stories, have a little bit more of a pull with their audience than just that offshoot story, Hobbs and Shaw, you know, the, the, the spin-off movie. I think we get back to Vin Diesel, we get back to the family, we get back to that core group of characters where there's more of them and 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 that's what we're used to making money for fast and furious i think you know i i got burned a little bit from being confident in hobbs and shaw but this year i'm i'm back to it I, it makes sense that hobbs and shaw a little bit underperformed because it's those real fast and furious movies that are the money makers um, and so I, th- I think Dwayne Johnson versus Vin Diesel, it, it was a fight on screen. It's a fight off screen. And now I think it'll be a fight in the box office to who gets to that three or four spot between them. All right. So just as I might be confident in a production studio, you are confident in that nine, those nine F's that'll appear on the screen yep. when Vin Diesel makes his glorious return as Dom whatever his name is. <laughs> That's how many I've seen. I know his name is Dom. Was I right? That's, yeah, you're, you're correct. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, I was so surprised that you had put this, uh, what, at number six? I did. Because I feel like there's so much mystery shrouded or surrounding this film, and there is so much power behind this director's name. I've already written and down what it is on my list. Yes, and I I do feel like I th- I thought I read somewhere that maybe somebody was speculating that did Christopher Nolan just give us an Inception two? So I don't think it'll make as much money as Inception did. I feel like Inception had bigger star power than Tenet does. However, I think you know Inception was several Christopher Nolan movies ago, and so I feel like. People will see Tenet, especially since 
it held to its guns for so long, Cole, which I know we're, we're in an alternate reality right now. We wouldn't even be having that conversation about how it stuck to its guns and stuck with its original release date. But I do feel like the trailer is so mysterious enough and that that uh, score behind it is so powerful that I think people will be intrigued enough to see something. Thank goodness that is not hopefully not a sequel or a remake. Um, And we're getting something new and fresh. That's why I put Tenet at number three. And I'm glad that I did Cole. I'm glad that I did. And here's why, because I think you and I are going to have the same number one and number two picks. However, it seems that way. I don't, I don't know what order they will appear on our lists. So one thing that I was going to say back when I thought Mulan was a summer movie, but then realized it was March and then it was August. And then who else, who, who knows when else, right? Um, I think what would have been really remarkable about 2020 in general, Cole, with A Quiet Place 2, with Mulan, and with these next couple of picks, I'm predicting, is that 2020 really would have belonged to women. And that's not to say that it can't still happen. Heaven hopes. I mean, you can, <laughs> I don't even know if that's an expression. Um, one would hope that 2020 could still belong to the women because there are some awesome looking movies coming out starring women. I mean, Emily Blunt also in, in uh, Jungle Cruise. But if I had to guess, and this is a, this is a bold choice, Cole, but if I had to guess, I would put at number two, the other Marvel entity, Black Widow. Ah, oh, boo. We're the same. <laughs> I also have Black Widow, too. I wanted to argue and, and get into it, why, why you're wrong about what you put. No, I agree. I think Black Widow, unfortunately, we're kind of backtracking with this one. Now, like I mentioned before, Marvel movies have a floor on the box office that they just do not go under. And I, I think that, you know, Black Widow, I think that it definitely would be, too. But I don't think it would be able to stretch to one because we're backtracking in the story. We're we're telling a story of Black Widow before Endgame, and we're kind of filling in the gaps. And we still haven't moved. We we haven't pushed the Marvel story into its next era, into its next phase, as they often call them, because you know Spider Man was just kind of oh this is after Endgame, and now Black Widow is kind of a prequel or midquel or whatever wherever you want to put it. I think people are waiting for the Eternals and for Shang-Chi and for the next, like, next great heroes, as opposed to the story of a character who we know has already died in this universe. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I think it's going to make plenty of money and I think or would have made plenty of money and would have been number two. But that star power and the hero of the summer, Wonder Woman 1984, I think would be the number one. A movie that both carries the franchise forward that goes forward but also backward because we're going back to 1984 great scott marty um anyway that wasn't actually 84 that was 85 if i if that's correct yeah yeah um it's close but yeah i think part of the reason for black widow existing is because they got to hand the friend they've got to hand the reins off to an, some other female superhero and Captain Marvel's over doing her thing. So I think I've read that they're going to use this to uh, 
kind of hand the reins over to Florence Pugh's character. I don't even know who she is, but she plays Black Widow's sister. And uh, I think people would gladly pay to go see Florence Pugh in a Marvel movie. And I think they will. I mean, the idea is that she's going to be the next Black Widow, often in the Marvel Universe. You know, there's there's an Iron Man right now in the comics that isn't Tony Stark. There's plenty of Spider-Mans that aren't Peter Parker. And so, yeah, Florence Pugh's character is, is just the next Black Widow is what she'll be. By the way, is that Spider-Man's or Spider-Men? Spider's-Man. Yeah, Spider's-Man. Wonder Woman 84. For you know, First of all, I'm not sure why it took this movie so long to come out. I feel like we've been seeing photographs for this movie for like five years. Um, well, but, I mean, Wonder Woman was top of the summer box office in 2017. So okay, all right, but they were they've been working on this movie for a long time. So I don't know why. Maybe they shouldn't have started showing us stuff that far in advance, or maybe they knew exactly what they were doing to try to get people excited about this movie that ultimately wasn't going to come out. But uh, yeah, I think not only are people excited about Wonder Woman coming back to kick some butt, but also that she's going to be doing it in the eighties along with Chris Pine, who is supposed to be dead, right? And then Head Scratcher, uh, Color Me Intrigued, Kristen Wiig as the villain? What? All elements, I believe, that go into making up what would have been the number one movie of 2020, at least in the summer, right? We agree. Yeah. Well, Cole, unfortunately... These are some things that we'll never know. We'll never know if Ghostbusters Afterlife would have had the legs to uh, crack the top 10. We never, we would never know if people would bank on nostalgia and uh, put Top Gun in the top summer box office. And there's so and many we'll, other nostalgic and sequel picks that didn't even crack yeah. our top 10 that might have snuck up in there. Yeah. And so when we come back, we actually want to spend a little bit more time talking about the other summer movies that could have been and now maybe talk a little talk a little bit about what their fate could ultimately be. That'll all come up next here on Screen Cleaning. When they find out who you are, they will show you no mercy. I'm Hua Mulan. I will bring honor to us all. Man, remember the first time you saw that trailer for Disney's Mulan and it still said March 2020 at the very end? Those were the good old days. Welcome back into Screen Cleaning. We just got done stepping out of an alternate universe where the summer movies of 2020 actually got to happen. And we got to predict which ones would win or lose at the box office. And the whole genesis for this show idea came from me looking back in my notes and finding 
a paper where I wrote down what my most anticipated movies were for this calendar year. And we talked about it here on the show in our very first episode of 2020. So if you want to step back into a simpler time, head over to BYU Radio or look in the podcast archives for our first show of 2020, where we looked back at 2019. And at the very end, we're looking ahead to 2020, not realizing at the time that a few short months later, we'd be anticipating just getting any movie in a theater yeah yeah so a few of the movies that would have originally come out in the summertime that i think would have done okay at the box office they had to change their tactics right we already know that greyhound starring tom hanks is now available on apple tv plus which would have been released theatrically cole i have not yet seen it still but apparently it's pretty good i loved it Another one that would have seen a reboot to a very popular franchise would have been something called The Organ Donor, which is interesting because I seem to recall a similar movie franchise back when it was called Saw. And this would have seen this would have seen Chris Rock starring in a horror movie. I never thought we would live to see that day, Cole, or that Chris Rock would live to see that day anyways quite a bit older than us oh yeah but, uh, that's what see this is what happens when we kind of go back into the past it was originally titled the organ donor now we know it will be called spiral from the book of saw um but yeah back oh, back in like the beginning the of 2020 better. it was gonna be called the Organ. I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that yeah normally i i love like sneaking a horror movie or two into that top uh, box office of 2020. There was nothing there in the summer, but just outside the summer, there's Candyman that we were going to get, this new Saw movie as well, and A Conjuring 3 that we still just got to keep waiting for. See, you know that behind that organ donor change that there are a bunch of studio executives saying, okay, I know that you're trying to like break free from the Saw franchise by trying to do something uh, refreshing, but... Uh, People aren't going to go see it unless you say it's a Saw movie. So we're going to put we're going to slap Saw right there on the billboard. Well, Cole, what we should do now, since we don't have actual data for any of these movies, we should turn to the actual data for the movies that actually did come out in 2020. We thought that that would be interesting, right? And I thought the movie that's currently number one for 2020 would have cracked the top ten overall uh, highest grocers for the year 2020, and that's Bad Boys for Life at $204 million. It's not often that a Nobody January movie that. has that kind of money to it. Uh, normally, the reason we talk about the summer movie box office is because a lot of the big movies come out in the summer. We got one, yeah, that right now it sits at the top still and it will probably still be in at least the top five for the end of the year, depending on how many more movies even get to come out. Bad Boys for Life did great for a January and it did good just in a normal year, let alone this kind of a year. A movie that I probably did better than I thought it would, but maybe not as well as it could have because of the timing of its release and that's Sonic the Hedgehog at number two, which currently has $146 million. Number three came out just a week before Sonic. So these these both got almost full theatrical releases before things started to slow down. Harley Quinn 
colon, birds of prey is what it ended up being called because they kept shying away from the great title that was the fantabulous emancipation of a one Harley Quinn. And and that's just, that's sad. <laughs> well, just on the other side of that, Cole, is a film that I think they were certainly hoping would do a lot better business. This is a film that came out with plenty of time to earn back its money, and I don't think it did because it only made $77 million, at least here in the States, and that's Doolittle. Doolittle, a film that, uh, uh, yeah, I wish I hadn't seen it, Cole. I really wish. <laughs> On a CGI as and look- Robert Downey Jr. budget of $175 million, it came up a little short. Yeah, but the reason I really wish I hadn't seen it, if I had a whole year's full of films to say, you know, if I had a whole year's full of film to have enjoyed in the movie theaters, I wouldn't have minded if there were the occasional flop. But when I've only seen a handful of them, Cole, I certainly don't want it to be one that was really quite of a stinker. And unfortunately, the ones that are stinkers generally come out at the beginning of the year, which is kind of the exception to a movie that did extremely well uh, on a very limited budget, a movie that you saw but that I did not, called The Invisible Man. Still my favorite movie of 2020. It may not have held that title if we'd had a normal release schedule, but The Invisible Man was fantastic for a a small horror fan like myself. Yeah, yeah. And then a movie I did see, The Call of the Wild, which, again, was did not do nearly as well as they hoped it would or that it probably needed to. In fact, I think they I read articles about how how much money it was going to lose for the studio. And then we come to the number seven pick that had the misfortune of coming out about a week or two before things started going south. And unfortunately, it comes from Disney Pixar and it's onward A lot of people got to see that movie essentially for free with the cost of their Disney Plus subscription because at the time, again, we're we're months into this pandemic and lockdown now. But, you know, the the week that Onward went to Disney Plus, we still thought that we'd get back into theaters by the time summer happened. Uh, And here summer is now coming to an end and... The only movie I've been to the theaters to see was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, not exactly a top 2020 grocer. The reason we don't really need to round off even the top 10, Cole, is because this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the stinkier movies coming out at the beginning of the year. And generally, that's when uh, certain movie studios still want to bank on a good return. So what do they do? They will produce a movie on the cheap usually a horror movie so that's why you're seeing movies like fantasy island and gretel and hansel the turning Brahms, the, the boy too oh yeah not not yeah. good films yeah but uh if you if you were to look at this box office report they did quite well cole <laughs> <laughs> based purely on the fact that they're one of a handful of movies that was actually released in 2020 Well, as we end every show, we're now going to pan for some good. There's good in them dire hills. (laughs) 
there's a little bit of a generational difference, especially over on social media, but in all the media that we take in as people. We see it on the show a little bit where Jeff leans towards those 80s and 90s movies and and I, you know, I'm slightly younger, and we all think that the the stuff, the movies, the music, the TV, what we talk about here on Screen Cleaning that we grew up with is just ubiquitous. Everyone's got to recognize, you know, Lion King or Bill and Ted or whatever it is for your generation. And when that new generation comes up and says they haven't seen a movie or watched a TV show that you thought was so crucial to the human experience... Uh, we can get a little vitriolic, and especially over on social media where it's so easy to just insult people. And so I thought it was really good news when I saw a story this week of a couple brothers uh, that are on YouTube that are in their teens that their YouTube channel is about going back and listening to music from the 70s and 80s for the first time. And instead of a lot of people insulting them for have never listened to a song like Phil Collins' In the Air Tonight, it's a bunch of people coming together, enjoying how much their faces light up when we get to that drum solo, ba-dum, 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 boom, boom, I can feel it. It's, oh, it's so beautiful to see people... Get it for the first time. And it's just a reminder that no matter when you grew up or what you grew up with, someone is coming across something great for the first time today. And instead of, you know, insulting them for not seeing it before, let's come together and just enjoy the things we enjoy. Thank you, Cole Collins. That was actually a really good drum solo. Oh, I, Air drum solo. Genesis and Phil Collins, I, I have an affinity for drummers because that's what I did in high school. And so when the drummer gets to be the lead singer, it's, it's, beauty, it's music to my ears <laughs> as it is. Well, we've certainly had a wonderful time here on the show today talking about what could have been in 2020 at the summer box office. And uh, I guess we'll never know who would have been right, Cole. And uh, so Probably I guess that me. means we don't have to get each other a pizza and a popcorn. But there's always 2021, and if none of these movies come out this year, it's going to be a pretty crowded summer next year. But uh, we are so happy to bring you the very best in entertainment here on BYU Radio and here on Screen Cleaning each and every week. You can download our podcast and look up our past shows. Look up maybe what we talked about last year and just how close our last year's summer movie box office competition was. We're going to be back next week to give you the very best in entertainment right here on BYU Radio. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. Until next time.